You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 469, take on Juliet in the 1990s quiz, the most irritating things in modern life, and affection for bands versus the love of football clubs. That's all coming up after Nielsen, and I guess the Lord must be in New York City. I'll say goodbye to all my sorrow and bye tomorrow. Originally written for the movie Midnight Cowboy, but inexplicably dropped by John Schlesinger uh, from his splendid album, Harry, released in August 1969. Harry Nilsson, and I guess the Lord must be in New York City. Yeah, it's a lovely tune. It's a good way to start the podcast. I feel optimistic about what's to come. Oh, we'll soon change that. (laughs) Yeah, better say, perhaps misplaced, but still. Hey, hey, my, my, and welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 469. I'm Terence Stackham. And elected as leader of the Liberal Democrats this week, it's Juliet Harris. I mean, obviously that is... Can oh, I, just I, I got confused that, again. I say, it's factually incorrect. Can I just, uh, you know, fact check on Terence? I have not been elected Liberal oh, Democrat leader oh, at this time, although I get the, the distinct impression that we may, much like the, the popular film franchise Batman, um, we will all get our turn at that particular role in the future, I think. If not the leader of the Liberal Democrats now, you know, I, I suspect we'll all be asked in an increasingly sort of a disparate economy to do lots of things that are outside our experience in pay grade and why not why not why not do that anyway hello i just got confused um it's a confusing world terence who can blame you but one thing i'm not confused about is that you are the birthday girl this week oh i will i yes i am i am moving the coming week in the, in the yeah it's in the coming week I will be moving uh, well every time I people go well, how old are you and it's like I'm not answering that question because all I get is verbal abuse from people that are older than me and it's like it's not again as we said the other week it's not my fault that I was born the week that you bought uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood's album in a shop you know none of this is my fault stop putting this at my door but uh you know an interesting moment for me as I move closer to 40 than I will be to 30 I've gone past the midpoint of my 30s so uh, what can I say I will continue to be the uh, vacuous ill thought out individual that i have been up to this point 
Well, we're, we're, we're going to celebrate your era again this week because this week we continue the theme of pitting, um, pitting you, the listener, mm. versus you, Juliet Harris, in the series Who Am I? 1990s Mix. Mm. And this week... All um, all the answers are music related. There is either a band or a solo performer um, to identify from a potential three clues. Mm. Three points if you get there with only one clue. They're very difficult this week. Oh, the, the, right. the three points. So don't don't be alarmed if you listener and Juliet if you can't get it on the first clue. Two points for two clues. One point if you need all three clues. Uh, so there's 15 points on offer, and the scoring mechanism is if you get five points, you're a music Egypt. Um, <laughs> this is completely possible <laughs> 10 you know your stuff mm. 12 1990s music genius 15 godlike knowledge <laughs> well let's let's aim for 10 and see how we get on which will be 10 you know your stuff okay that's good right first question there are three questions to pick from first question there are three of us two of us are from haiti and one of us from New Jersey. Are they the Fugees? Blow it. Yes. Oh, damn. Are. I'm very, I'm sorry for ruining your fun. Part of the reason that I know that is I recently came across a copy of their debut album with all mm. the hits on for £8 on vinyl. Ah. Well, the, first, the, the second question, you can answer this as a, this is, doesn't count, but it's a supplementary okay. question. Our first number one in the UK was a cover of a song that also went to number one in 1973 for Re Roberta Flack. Oh, that was kidding me softly, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. You've got the supplementary question right. But that's three points mm. to start off with. Right. Let's make them more difficult. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, second question. It's January 1996. And I have my first solo number one in 10 years. Oh, um, please don't get it. I will. I will guess at Tom Jones. Oh, thank goodness. No. Hooray! You're so manipulative, Terence. I'm God's so sake. sorry. But, you know, I've written all these questions. I don't want you to get them all on the first yeah, one. That's fine. Okay, I, I, I'm doing my best to be thick. <laughs> Second question for two points. I sang 39, These Are the Days of Our Lives and Somebody to Love at the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert at Wembley, 20th of April, 1992. Is it George Michael? It's George Michael. Two points for Juliet. Uh, and uh, would you like me to name his first number one in however many years? Oh, yeah, go on. I think it was Fast Love, wasn't it? I thought it was Jesus to a Child. Ah, uh, I suspect. It was certainly from that album. I, yes. Hmm. But uh, we'll have to check that check that later. Independently um, verifying that, yes. Two points for you there, so you're, you're, you're doing very well. We're doing all right. Third question out of five. I had the best-selling single of 1992. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I, oh, uh, Brian Adams. No, no, it isn't. That's a good guess, though. Mm. Um, the single spent... Uh, Spent 14 weeks at the top of the Billboard Hot 100, which is the longest running number one single from a movie soundtrack album. Ah, this would be Whitney Houston. It's Whitney Houston and from The Bodyguard. Correct. Third question was going to be, I was married to Bobby Brown from oh. 1992. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, fourth question. You're doing very well. You have um, five, seven points out of nine so far. Very good. Uh, fourth question. I was born in 1975, and I've modelled for L'Oreal and Gap. Um, not well. This is a this is a ridiculous uh, so. answer. David Ginola. Very good answer, but not uh, the fair as enough. we mentioned, all the singers and musicians. And ah, whatnot. yes, okay, fair enough. But still, that good guess. Stupid. Yep. That's that's a good yeah. thing. Let's carry on. In the 1990s, I played Beth Brennan in Neighbours. Oh, Natalie and Brulia. Two points for Juliet. Doing very well. You're, and I you're used to watch Neighbours religiously at that point in time. So, yes, to me, she will always be Beth. Her being a pop, group, pop superstar is, is, you know, very much secondary. Final question. Mm. My mother, Karen, made her professional debut in the Black and White Minstrel Show and appeared in and acted in TV shows in Des O'Connor Tonight, Max Bygraves Side by Side, 
and the Bob Monkhouse show, amongst others. That's my mother, Karen. I'm going to, this is a total guess, but I could be wrong. Michelle Gale. No. Okay, carry on. For two points. At the Brit Awards 1997, mm-hmm. I sang Upside Down in a duet with Diana Ross. Oh, um, JK from Jamaica. JK for two points. Let's top them up. Two, four, six, eight, eleven. So you aimed for ten and you, oh, you beat it. So you're just between you know your stuff and music genius, which, which is not a bad place which to be. Is probably where I would have placed myself, actually. I would have said I was quite good, but not that good. So so you know that there's and by the way, you are correct, it was Jesus to a child that was that was uh, although Fast Love got to number one as well. And I believe looking at the looking at the George Michael's sort of door, uh, hits on the doors in uh, scores on the doors in in, in the uk um he had an immense run um technically he got to he got to number one with um somebody to love with queen apparently but um in in the interim period but in terms of solo number ones that was right um he uh, he got to um he got to number one with Jesus to a child number one with fast love number two with spinning the wheel number the number three with older and I can't make you love me and number two with star people 97. So that is some run. Single it's some running all off the same album. What yeah, is it? yeah. Yeah. Terrific album. Uh, I, I think his best. I, I absolutely adore that. Album. I think I probably agree with you on that. I think it's brilliant. Now, Juliet, um, it's not all over because no, it's not over. It really isn't. We have three bonus questions in a section called questions. Bonus three. Oh, wow. This I like the abbreviated version that you've gone for here. You know, just when I think you can't be more of a pioneer, you're always innovating, Terence, always. These are multiple choice questions based on the names we've just heard about. We, we, we've been talking about in our 1990s quiz. So three bonus questions, all a multiple choice. Let's see how you get on with these then. Um, Juliet Harris and okay. listener. See if you can beat Juliet. At the Freddie Freddie Mercury tribute concert at Wembley in April 1992, who gave a speech on stage about AIDS prevention? Was it Nancy Reagan, Elizabeth Taylor, Dame Maggie Smith or Chrissy Hind? I mean, all of them plausible to Mm. some extent, but um, I'm going to say Elizabeth Taylor. Correct. Ah. point elizabeth taylor gave a speech at the freddie mercury tribute quest uh concert well i usually if i can get one out of three that makes me happy so so the pressure is off now in 1996 the fugees their singles killing me softly ready or not Mm -hmm. and no woman no cry made number one, number one, and number two, respectively, on the UK Top 40. So all performed uh, at the highest level, uh, very similarly. In America, each of these singles performed in a similar level too. Did they reach, all three of them, did they reach one to number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, 30 to 40, 70 to 80, or not make the Billboard Hot 100 at all? I'm going to go for 30 to 40. They didn't make the Billboard Hot 100 at all. And isn't that the most extraordinary uh, thing? That is so strange, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I, I knew that the Fugees Fuji were very big over here in comparison mm. to America. I knew that we'd rather taken them to our hearts. But isn't that strange? I would I've never, never have got that, that myself. Yeah, absolutely. Really weird. Yeah. So massive stars over here meant nothing at the time in America at all. Final question in our multiple choice. Peaking at number six on the UK top 40, David Cassidy, The Mm. Last Kiss. (laughs) Right. It featured whom on backing vocals? Lauren Hill of the Fugees. Whitney Houston. JK or George Michael. All names we've been talking about. David Cassidy's The Last Kiss featured on with backing vocals from Lauren Hill, Whitney Houston, JK, George Michael. I'm going to have a guess at Whitney Houston. It was George Michael. Uh, I wonder if it might be. As I said that, I thought, oh, no, I bet it's the bloke. 
one out of three was your aim and you achieved it. <laughs> I, I met expectations is what I would say on that. No, but... they were very difficult. The, 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 sorry, I, I would not have got, uh, what was the first one? Oh, yeah, I would have got Elizabeth Taylor because I remember that. But yeah. I wouldn't have got the Fugees or the David Cassidy one. They so were we were on the, of a similar mark on but that. But I always feel that I learn a lot from those bonus questions. I, <laughs> I, you know, I, they help plug gaps in my pop culture knowledge. And I hope that our listeners take something from them too. And thank you again for continuing to work hard to put these quizzes together because they do more often than not make me laugh as well as make me look a bit silly occasionally. So, uh, so yeah, I very much enjoy them. Thank you. We've got a couple of weeks of the 1990s Who Am I's to run, I think. Oh, so, nice. So okay. We go have a good old era. tour through the 90s. And I, I noticed with the mountain horror, it has to be said, uh, how time passes on and we oh. suddenly kind of find ourselves becoming retro. Um, you know, you remember that, that the BBC used to do Sounds of the 60s on Radio 2 with the excellent, uh, much-missed Brian Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Sounds of the 70s show that Johnny Walker does on the Sunday afternoon. Um, I thought it was bad enough when Sarah Cox was doing Sounds of the 80s, yeah. uh, taken on by Gary Davis. You can now enjoy Fern Cotton hosting Sounds of the 90s. It classes as being retro now, doesn't it? It's really strange. Terrifying news, to be honest with you. Mm, um, absolutely. Coming right up, the most irritating things in modern life, and I'm not included, thank you very much. Well, um, not in your own list. <laughs> <laughs> That's right after Slater Kinney. are the tomato tomato of bands is it slater is it sleater i was calling them slater for years but apparently it's sleater because oh, they're no. named, well they're named after the intersection of two roads and well anyway so i'm i'm <laughs> sorry i mean to be fair they tried to give a clue by including an e in their name so that they weren't they weren't called sleater um if you're using the same pronunciation as lead, you could make an argument that they're called sletter. But anyway, let's not let's not get overly kind of caught up in this combination of vowels. Um, I lockdown's been a good time for me to investigate loads of albums that either previously passed me by or I just had found a bit tricky. And the album that that comes from, which is the Hot Rock, um, I'd never I'd never quite got it. If you see what I mean, I had some mm. one songs on it it's quite a slow and sad album compared to lots of their other records and it's their most introspective I think and I just I never I never kind of got into it I never I never 
quite managed to understand it as a whole record. A quarter to three, which I think we've played before, the, the mm. close I absolutely love, but I never quite. I never quite engaged with it. And having listened to it recently, I, I I have much more, maybe the times we're living in, I have much more of a connection with it. I think it's a really great record. I think they're a very talented band. I'm sorry that they seem to have completely lost their way. Again, I think we, we talked about this previously. Too, the arrival yeah. of, of St. Vincent as the producer um, seemed to sort of precipitate a chain of events that resulted in them completely going in an electro-synth direction and their drummer of many years leaving and not coming back. So, so... I'm not, you know, I, I, I am, I do feel that we perhaps might have seen the best of Sleazy Kinney, but who knows? But, um, but yeah, it's uh, the Hot Rock is is an interesting little album. It's, it's, it's worth investigating. I think it's not as instant as some of their records, but it's got some nice things on it. I was looking at their website earlier, and I noticed they're on tour in in the states at the moment, and I, I wonder how on earth that's working out. I didn't know uh tours were going on anywhere so i don't know whether they're doing social distancing they or what, might but, be. i don't i don't know be interesting to look into that because i wasn't yeah. aware of that either so no. now politicians uh members of the royal family errant footballers reality tv people the boss of weatherspoons eric trump <laughs> nicholas witchell sandy toxfig marmite clowns in- instrumental music there's so much to be irritated about in modern life and it's it's hard to settle on only a few examples. We're going to tell you about our choices um, of the irritants in modern, modern life. And first for me is an item that is meant to soothe and help us, um, to give us support in our moment of need. <laughs> when you're about to sneeze or you've, you've dropped some soup on your shirt, you reach for a paper tissue or tissue. And so why is it? that something so delicate yet useful is packaged in a way that leaves your fingers bleeding as you open it. Tissues are housed in boxes where the lid removal reveals a jagged edge of razor-sharp cardboard prongs designed, it seems, to ensure you need a handful of the contents to stem the bleeding. Number one irritant, tissue boxes. I am sorry for your loss is all I can say. That is that is very that is very vexing, isn't it? Oh, now- it really is. You <laughs> just want to you open a new box of tissues and before you know it you're on your way to A and E with your hand <laughs> smeared smeared with I blood and plasma some might say that your skin is somewhat tissue thin i suppose which is the biggest irony of all now the most interesting thing for me about trying to compile my list of five irritating things and I'm probably going to come across all Pollyannaish during this segment, and I'm really sorry in advance. Feel free to have a bucket you? if you want to vomit. Um, thank you. Is <laughs> is um is that I was struggling to think of things that annoyed me, and that's partly because I haven't actually left my house very much in the last six months. So maybe that's I it. I whittled down my list from about 350. I know. Maybe we're just very different people, which is obviously a great revelation to anybody that's heard this podcast at any point in the last five <laughs> years. But um, I, I I think I suppose the things I did come up with, I guess I just felt that all of the small things that would have irritated me in the past, it just felt like we've got bigger problems at the moment. But there were a few things but it, i mean i've got a couple of silly ones towards the end but most of them i, I tended to find had a very serious mm. underlying to them okay. so so the first thing that annoys me is in, in the golden days where we could go places if you went to you know some of these are going to sound first worldly aren't they but if you went to some sort of reception somewhere or you know that's a meeting that sort of mm. thing uh, or, or you know more of an evening sort of do you walk in and someone would go oh you know would you can i offer you a glass of prosecco or a glass of wine and you'd either say no thanks i'm i'm you know you'd either make the excuse i'd either make the excuse oh no thanks i'm driving or even if that wasn't true i would still say i was driving because no one ever wants to say I'm really sorry, I don't fancy drinking. Or if you've got an issue, no one's going to stand in, you know, the White Rock Hotel in Hastings and go, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm a recovering alcoholic, I don't want your Prosecco. So firstly, I find it irritating that that is the default option. And you go, oh, no thanks. What can you offer me instead? And they go, oh, we've got sparkling water um, or orange juice. Mm. Now, I, usually you find, my my irritation is firstly, I don't want alcohol pushed on me all the time. Can we not have a more sensible attitude about this? Secondly, I really don't feel that the alcohol at 12% or water is a very wise choice, a very wise choice. Why, you know, can you, have you not got something more interesting than water? Thirdly, I'm allergic to orange. 
and oh, and yeah. I actually don't feel. I know that me being allergic to orange is a personal thing, but even if it's water or orange juice, I whenever you go to those things, I tend to find that the options for alcohol far far exceed the options for soft drinks. And if if you, for example, you went to a pub or you went to a sort of a bar, even if you go to a sort of a temporary bar at one of those events, they'll go, oh, would you like a beer? And they'd say, oh, we've got, you know, they might have two or three types of beer and red or white wine. If you've got five or six different types of alcohol you're giving out to people, do I really have to choose between fizzy water or orange juice if I don't want to drink? I, fi- I find that vexing, Terence. Mm. I wish that, 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 that as much mindfulness would be given to a, to a, a, a catering at events to a, a, a non-alcoholic range of things than it would do an alcoholic range of things. First, firstly, for sort of serious reasons to people with issues around alcohol. And secondly, just because I don't want to drink all the time. But, I, you know, just because I'm not choosing not to drink, doesn't mean doesn't mean I'm any less of a person, Terence man, that that doesn't deserve not to have something I'm allergic to or water that tastes of nothing. Uh, uh, you're pushing on an open door with me there because as someone who doesn't drink alcohol, it mm. still amazes me that in this enlightened era that you're still treated as an oddity. You know, oh, oh, that's, okay, we'll see if we've got some uh, some squash for you then. Uh, you know, exactly. As if, uh, we'll, we'll try and find some, some key oil in the back of the mm. the back of the pod. Yeah, no, I I, I mm. think it's, I think you've got it spot on being treated as an oddity. Be interesting to see. And actually, I'd like to ask you this because you you ironically given. Given you know the slight variance in our in our time of life, mm. um, you because you have nieces and nephews and things, you seem to have more interactions with young people, so people in their mm. sort of late teens, early twenties, than I do. I, I read things that says that lots of young people don't drink. What do you find with the people that you know? Absolutely agree with that, or, or certainly very very uh, infrequently. Mm. Um, it's they, I'm finding fewer and fewer people in their twenties actually go out and get fully plastered anymore, mm. as you know one did generations before. Yeah. That's certainly true. But maybe yeah. in the future, in ten years' time, mm. that will be a culture that, 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 that this culture of what do you want to drink or are you not drinking? Maybe that would maybe oh, that absolutely. would die out. Next to me now. I have an iPhone and a printer <laughs> for my computer here across the room. I can see my Kindle, my iPad, my battery bank for the phone, uh, mm. sort of backup battery, my Bluetooth earphones, my Bluetooth headphones. You're a very connected person, Terence. My Amazon Fire. Mm. And on oh, my Amazon Dot over there as well. Yes, I'm very connected. Yes. All part of modern technology. Mm. Why? Why, oh, why do they all need different cables? <laughs> nothing, nothing is compatible. If you mislay one cable, you can't use one from the other devices. Oh, no. You have to either fork out 20 quid for an official replacement or for 2 99 on eBay, you can buy a pirate cable that will short circuit and burn your house down as you sleep. <laughs> Stupid cables. That's my second one. Well, I again, I was, I, last time I was sorry for your loss. This time I'm sorry for your very much unwanted gain of cables and also house fires. It's uh, it's it's not ideal, is it? Yes, I agree with you that I am. Um, you can buy from you know garages petrol stations and garages have the answer to most of your woes on this i can say in that i bought a, a cable from one of them that had three different ends for different things well, yeah. so 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 you can charge android devices ios devices and whatever it is that the third thing is that i don't really you sure it's not going to be one of those um chinese replicas that's going to sort of blow up in the middle of well, the night and that's, well, I mean, you find it, the fire brigade smashing the windows in it hasn't yet but of course do check back for regular updates so but yes i i, I share your annoyance terence it's not ideal what's your next one well another slightly slightly sort of serious worthy one i'm sorry but it is irritating um it's it's why why does anybody, patients or staff, have to pay to park in a hospital car park? Yeah. I don't I don't understand why. I mean you could do a whole thing on parking machines generally and you know having the right change of parking machines etc although locally to me lots of them use Ringo now which you can use the app which is you know has has stopped you know spending your whole life trying to I for, for a long period when I was trying to commute and also using a laundrette my whole life was measured in pound coins and 20 pences so we have moved beyond that 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 period now but I just find it so irritating it just adds to the stress you know I, I 
I don't. Why do I have to pay when I've sliced my hand open? You know, I, I find Absolutely. it all very, very irritating. Why should member? Why should nurses that have worked fourteen-hour shifts have to and are not paid properly still? Why should they have to spend half their weekly earnings on you know or whatever it is on trying to park? I, I, I find that it's one of the biggest annoyances and injustices of modern life. I'm sorry to be sort of wolfy from Citizen Smith about this, but I find I think it's it's deeply vexing. Doors. I hate doors. <laughs> wow. Not, did you mean doors as in the the, uh, the the popular beat combo led by Jim Morrison or doors as in as in the, the way in which to access a, a building or room? The access version of doors. I hate them all. All doors. Automatic doors that don't open as you approach them. <laughs> Automatic doors that close so quickly that you have to scurry through to avoid your butt being caught in them. Mm. Revolving doors that are a claustrophobic nightmare. Holding a door open for someone and they barge through without saying thank you. And the very worst of all, uh, Jules, tube train doors. Or, uh, in fact, uh, the uh, people that use them. The people uh, who pile is, into the train. Isn't it? Yeah, this is user the, error rather than the thing. Exactly, yeah, but I'm still blaming the doors. The people who pile <laughs> into the train before letting the passengers off. So you fear you may get stuck on the train and have to get off somewhere unthinkable like Stockwell or Clapham <laughs> or something. With apologies, I'm going I'm to make an editorial intervention here and say if you live in Stockwell or Clapham, if Terence isn't sorry, I am. I, I'm very, I'm I'm sorry if you have to you have to put up with living in these <laughs> That's places. That's not an apology that makes oh. things better, Terence. <laughs> Hateful inventions, doors. That your apology there, your non-apology of sorry <laughs> if you have to live in these places is right up there with the continuity announcement on Victoria Woods as seen on TV, which Susie Blake says we apologise to our viewers in the north. It must be <laughs> awful for them. <laughs> but you know, I, I I think that you that you say that you're blaming the doors. The problem isn't doors. The problem is the people that use them, and that takes me on nicely to my third irritant. I know that we're all meant to be being kind. I get that. I understand that. I was, I mean, so I'll use a specific example, which is relevant to our times in a minute. But you can follow up most of my rant now under people who cannot follow simple instructions. That is my third irritant. At the moment, it's social distancing based. I mean, we all know that it's two metres now, surely, or a metre and a half, you've got a mask on. Aspects of the government advice have been confusing, but the two metre thing has been in throughout, you know, and, and when you go, I mean, I went into my local town centre yesterday, there is tape on the floor of most places like railway stations, you know, HMV had tape on the floor, you know, the supermarket has tape on the floor, The outside the bank, queue outside the bank could not be clearer post separating two meters people stood in the middle oh my and God. and you just think what why and, and and i get that it's a time at which people might be distracted i understand that this isn't necessarily a new thing going to places like you know if ever there were two words that could not be clearer yet are not you know yet are so widely misunderstood and not they're not more misunderstood amongst the general public queue here what could be what could be confusing about that queue here you think okay you have to form a queue you can't just walk up to this and here's where the queue is people don't seem to be able to grasp that terence and it makes me deeply sad to my soul i get that things are confusing but people that cannot read signs and then interpret them i get this on you know the amount of times on facebook i've gone can you suggest three songs for my radio show, please? Um, I've even gone as far as putting three in capitals or underlining it. And there will always be someone that suggests seven songs underneath. <laughs> and I'll say, oh, can you keep this to three, please? Oh, sorry, I didn't realise. Oh. What is there not to realise? I just, oh, man. So I, so I get that lots of people are distracted at the moment. We have to be tolerant of each other's behaviour. But even I have my limits. And the limit is... If there's a clear instruction that is underlined or, you know, cue here, two words, cue here, two words, two metres. I, I, I don't understand why people can't follow very basic instructions. Yeah, it makes I get me it. very vexed. A couple of weeks ago, I saw an argument between two men in a car park in <laughs> oh, Weybridge wow. in Surrey. God, it's all going on, isn't it, in your world? Yeah, Weybridge in Surrey. One man had a newish looking Land Rover and he parked it over two spaces in what was a busy town centre car park. The other man was accusing him of selfishness as he now couldn't find a space. The two space man 
was arguing. <laughs> spaceman. Hey. Hey, did you? I'm the urban spaceman, baby. Oh, oh, the spaceman, the other man clearly wanted him to go, didn't he? Into uh, not two spaceman, yeah. The man occupying two spaces was arguing that he'd paid for two tickets and was displaying them on his windscreen. So what was the problem? And oh, this seemed oh. to me to be a tiny window into modern life and etiquette. <laughs> what does it matter if you can't park your car? I've paid two pounds for two tickets and that's all there is to it. Who cares about you in your 10 year old Honda Civic? Two space car parkers, send them to jail. I mean, I, I whilst I'm usually not as widely authoritarian as you in, in my imposition of punishments, I, yeah, why does it not? So for the minute that you said a man with a Land Rover, I just thought, oh, I know how this is ending. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's just a ridiculous entitlement. And this idea of, you know, oh, well, I've paid for this. Oh, that makes it OK, then. That is literally the only consideration, isn't it? Whether or not you've, you've, you've paid for it. No, I agree with you. That is that is just really just just. And again, there is a depth to that, I think, aside from, you know, isn't it irritating when doors don't open, etc. There is a depth that, like you say, it speaks to a slight sickness in society, doesn't it, really? I agree with you. What's your uh, fourth one? I mean, I can do this. I mean, this is such a minor irritant. Having been very serious earlier on, this is such a minor irritant. Um working at home obviously you know you, you hear things outside you know I totally understand that people go about their daily business I you know if a vehicle is reversing I understand that people might need to know about that those very loud please stand clear vehicle reversing <laughs> and the thing is they're too loud they go yes. on too long they go I mean I do not live in a very busy residential area why do they need to do this outside my flat? I find this very strange that I live on a grid system, essentially, and there are three roads that run parallel to mine that connect two roads. There are almost infinite ways that you can get to my house from different places, um, which means I spend a lot of time on the phone going, where are you? Can you send me your WhatsApp ping? Because everyone keeps getting lost. But I overly loud, um, pre-recorded sort of things, I find that, that this is so minor that everyone was like, you know, if this is literally one of the only things that come that can come oh, up. No, this is very uh, important. This does this does demonstrate my privilege, and I am aware that I am one of the winners of life at the moment. But um, but yeah, I find I I, mm. I just it, I find that it cuts across my dreams, Terence. It just cuts across mm. everything. It just sort of slices the to the top of whatever I'm thinking of and replaces it with please stand clear vehicle reversing it's it's also i wonder who it was that got the gig to do that i, I wonder what they were <laughs> if they get repeat fees oh who knows yeah well if they get repeat fees and they must be a billionaire frankly given my local neighborhood telephones i hate them <laughs> just yeah i like this just in general or do you have any specific things you hate about them or do you just not like them so used am i now to communicating by text or whatsapp that i'm totally out of all experience of using the telephone i tend not to answer as nobody with good news telephones in the modern era if i do answer it's with a kind of wary defensive hello well <laughs> oh, i'll make sure to give you a call to wish you well later on today. thanks only marketing <laughs> people and potential spammers call on a telephone we shouldn't Great even call them phones anymore they need to be renamed text machines on text or whatsapp we've all learned to be concise and get to the point telephones encourage people to ramble and to fill fill gaps with jibber jabber uninvent the telephone that's the future for me I mean, I was going to say there's little that I can say to that, particularly on the telephone. I mean, if it wasn't for well, having said that, interesting, we do this on a phone line, don't we? But it's on. But are you OK with Skype, though? You seem to be at one with, with us doing this via the phone line. Well, Skype isn't isn't a phone, is it? It's through the Internet. So uh, it's a, it's, it's a, a set though. Yeah, it is the same concept. But this is this isn't a, a telephone call where we're phoning up for s social uh, interaction in the sense of so um uh how weather how, with you? How are you? What's the weather? Uh have you been uh, have you been up too much? It's um yeah, I uh, well um how is uh, how's your uh, family? Uh, you know, you don't we don't do any of that, and that's what. Although, had a note to our listeners, who knows how much this is edited? Frankly, a lot of our chat hits the cutting room. <laughs> <laughs> What's your last example, Jules? 
Well, a little bit more levitant this, but um, breathy, slowed down acoustic covers of songs oh, on adverts. What a great choice! This is this is oh, I mean, so so uh, this started off so it's partly the John Lewis's adverts, mm. but this is completely that the, the new John Lewis advert. Although goodness knows what they're going to do to the John Lewis advert this year. There's been so much speculation about, you know, people looking through, you know, sort of books and pictures and, oh, goodness knows what, and horrible sort of slowed down things. It was the John Lewis advert that started this. Holiday adverts now seem to do this. Um, listless woman with an acoustic guitar. I think the the day that I saw a, an acoustic guitar and piano led version of Where Is My Mind by the Pixies um, soundtracking a holiday <laughs> beach. Um, there's an awful drippy version of Wonderwall that's doing the rounds at the moment. The most vexing for me, and I was sagging this off with my friend watching TV remotely the other day. Um, there is a version of Venus which was originally done by Shocking Blue mm. and by Bananarama, you know, a, a very kind of... Um, you got sort of, it, hey baby, you got yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. So very, you know, very rousing. This is one of those things where they've almost bent over backwards to do something and it is a complete mess as a result. So it's firstly a very slowed down piano and female breathy vocal. Oh, Secondly, they have tried to write it, rewrite it. I, I, I always felt... Um, I always felt that, that I'm your Venus. I felt it was a, an empowerment anthem. I felt that the woman was in control in singing that. These people do not feel that. They've changed it to I'm my Venus. Oh, and, Lord. So, and also, what's it advertising? Razors to shave your legs with. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's such a mess of contradictions. I I it's bad enough that it's breathy female covers anyway. What is it that you're trying to say? I won't name the product in question because I'm that cross. But it's 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 yeah. These these breathy slowed down things. I can I can sort of see the impact of it at first. The girl that did Gabrielle Aplin that did the Power of Love. I thought that was really nice. But that was a ballad already. But you know, but I it's this kind of lazy sort of reparroting of formulas that that annoys me about it, and also completely missing the point of the song as well. So, uh, or can I say maybe it'll be Napalm Death this year on the John Lewis advert or something like that? I don't know. But yes, I find it extremely irritating. Dig a big hole and put them all into landfill. That's the Absolutely. only answer. Absolutely. Oh, and then we have to talk about landfill indie, but let's stay that till next week. Leave that for another week. Coming next, can you switch affection for football teams like you can change your love for bands? That's next, right after Todd Rundgren.
I think that is so fantastic. It's from an album called Red Diamond, a tribute to Yukihiro Takahashi. Uh, he's best known as a singer for, singer for the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Oh, yeah. But he's also... Yeah, he's made also made a superb series of solo albums. Oh, and um, these I never have. I've got the time, so I'll as well do it. Mm, his original of this is 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 also wonderful. Mm. Um, this though this though was from that tribute album from 2012. Todd Rundgren and Forever Bursting into Flame. I enjoyed that, and I would definitely check out that the, the original sort of solo works and an album. That sounds brilliant. Mm. On, a, on an unrelated matter, I was looking at Elvis Costello's disc, uh, discography um, uh, yesterday and remembering how I anticipated each new album with great excitement in the late 70s. I bought all of those early albums from My Aim Is True, This Is Model, Armed Forces, Get Happy, Trust, Almost Blue, and then bought the next couple, didn't play them much, and then stopped buying Elvis Costello albums at all. Mm-hmm. What happened? You know, did he stop writing good songs? Did I change as a person, as a listener? Did my <laughs> affections head off to another articulate, clever singer-songwriter? With some artists, the affection is so great that one forgives the musical aberrations, and we don't play those tracks. You know, that we, but we continue to love that artist. We just heard Todd Rundgren, and he falls into that category for me. He produces a work of genius on an album Mm. and then follows it with the most terrible humorous track that puts your teeth on edge. He releases what is close to a hit. um, The closest that he's ever had gets Mm. massive airplay and follows it up with an album of impenetrable new metal thrash. How does this square up with support for football teams? um, Jules, do we give up and move on like Elvis Costello albums or are they part of us for life like my Todd Rundgren and your PJ Harvey? Well, indeed, it's interesting, isn't it? As a youth and as an eight year old, I was persuaded by my friend from the north of England at primary school that um, we ought to start supporting Manchester United because they had lost all three of their opening games of the season and uh, they were the underdog and they needed our help. So we did this and they then went on to have a spectacularly successful 90s and early 90s and uh, of course I was called a glory hunter. My family have no connections to Manchester. I've been to the city of Manchester many times. I love it. It's a great place. I'm really looking forward to going back when it's safe to do so. Um, <coughs> excuse me eventually I found myself disappointed by Manchester United in the early noughties. The players surrounding the referee in that rather unedifying incident, coupled by the fact that they won the treble, I started to find myself uh, drifting away. Small forward, you know, about nine years, and I'm going to visit my nan, who is living in residential care at this point, who's not very well, really, um, in Twickenham. And she was originally, my mum's family grew up in Shepherd's Bush. Uh, Mm -hmm. They lived two streets away from QPR's ground. They used to be able to watch the match from their window until QPR worked this out and built the world's biggest grandstand in front of their terrace, (laughs) which meant they could no longer see. Um, People used to have their friends in their upstairs bedrooms to watch the matches before that. Um, But um, so she was a big QPR fan, uh, still was a huge QPR fan. and, uh, And so really... I ought to have supported QPR in the first place. My dad is a Burnley fan, was never interested in them. I didn't really, you know, I should have supported QPR. I really should have done, but I didn't. Spool forward and I'm going to visit my nan in her nursing home at Twickenham. And every week the same thing happens, which is, oh no, she was in Richmond, but she did live in Twickenham, but in that kind of area. And she would say, she'd tell, can you read the paper to me? How did QPR get on? And that was always the question. And so I would start following them with her. And I would say, my favourite ever conversation, I would say, they won, Nan. And she'd go, no, they didn't. And I'd go, they did. It says here they beat Watford or whoever. And she'd say, but they won last week. Doesn't that sum up being a QPR fan? What do you mean they won? They won last week. But um, uh, she never overtly made me promise to keep supporting QPR after she died but I very much imputed this from her conduct so I found myself you know at the age of 25 switching football teams which which I really shouldn't have done but maybe it was an idiotic idea for me to support Manchester United in the first place so maybe it's okay to correct a mistake I don't know there's this very interesting article by Matt Dickinson who is the chief sports writer for the Times oh yeah who says um, 
well now this I think is another level it's one thing switching your football team I, I'm not defending myself but I did at least switch back to the team of my family if you see what I mean we had a connection um and QPR do not really have any well unfortunately nowadays we don't really have any interactions with Manchester United we're not in that well put it that way uh Matt Dickinson in the meantime this is irrelevant here he says we drive past the new stadiums bringing up by the M4, and I point out the, logis- the logical, practical, hard-nosed reasons to switching to Brentford from Queen's Park Rangers. Queen's Park Rangers rivals Brentford, and he wants to switch, which is really, really mm. bizarre. And he says, um, he says, uh, he goes on to say, um, how he says, uh, years ago when David Mellor was said to switch from Fulham to Chelsea in adulthood it was seen by anyone with sport in their blood as by far the most embarrassing thing that even this Tory minister had done well it turns out it wasn't the most embarrassing thing he did in a Chelsea shirt but anyway he (laughs) said yes it must happen lives get complicated families uproot people move around more than ever perhaps we need to make rules about when it's okay to switch or not dependent on age or time spent in other colours or mitigating circumstances and he says I remain in regular contact with some involved but to cut a long short story short because he talks about having switched different teams when he had moved when he was younger um he said when i moved to london my wife worked at qpr the kids became attached and next thing you know you have three season tickets a couple of shirts and they're driving to stoke away and i think having moved around a lot i found myself when i sort of stopped supporting manchester united i often found myself following about five teams at once because our local team to where we live is brighton um i lived in norwich for several years and actually went to see norwich play a couple of times so i sort of have a soft spot for them i was always looking out for qpr my dad supports burnley i look out for their results i don't know it's it's strange you know i think his point about in a world where we move around a lot I suppose people supporting football teams for life and supporting their their local team comes from an era where people were much more rooted in their local communities, I think, where it was a much bigger thing. There were less distractions. There was less technology. You know, football was a very much a centred part of the community. That's not helped, I think, by the age of multimillionaire owners of football clubs that don't come from the local area often don't come from the same country but that doesn't matter so much to me but yeah who who don't don't come from that community that then move to these massive out-of-town stadiums and and then the team is taken away from the community you know if you can get anywhere why support your local team i mean i there's i think it shows that society has moved on i don't know whether it's a good thing or not it makes me sad that that that, that clubs aren't rooted in their communities as they once were at least not the big clubs anyway it's a slightly different story at grassroots football i think but um as someone that switched their football team and is trying to justify it maybe it's this as this chap says it's a change of circumstances in life i don't know not that it's for me to judge but i think it's reasonably okay for you because you headed downwards to QPR for family reasons and loyalties I'm not sure you're a proper or true football fan if you support a portfolio of clubs or chop and change who you support Mm -hmm. in the sense I think there's something indefensible about saying oh I used to support Manchester United when they were winning everything but now I support Liverpool because they're more successful that's glory hunting isn't it yeah I think sport and football in particular seems to hit a deep scene within a proper supporter but I think what you're talking about and i think this is you know as i say who am i to judge it's not a judgment but my opinion is that it's okay because what i think you're describing is that you've got affection for other clubs and i think that's all right if a former chelsea if a chelsea player goes off to play for paris saint-germain or um, as david louise did um i look then look out for Paris Saint-Germain results and want them to do well because I like David Louise. or if I lived for a while in uh, a town as you're describing Norwich and you know you retain an affection for it I think that's different I think though that to be a a proper supporter you follow your team through terrible years as I did with Chelsea in the 70s and the 80s yes and I think well, I think I really pay tribute to supporters of, say, Rotherham or Grimsby to a degree QPR, um, mm. because supporters of these teams, they must know in their hearts that their chances of, of appearing in the Champions League are remote to the point of non-existence. Well, I can't see QPR getting to the championship <laughs> again at the moment, frankly. No, exactly. Yet these supporters, they still turn up and support the team and look for their results and get a replica shirt for Christmas. And I think that's your proper support. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know that's that's the that's the thing. I, I, you're not a true fan unless you've unless you've you've had cause to say at the end of a match. I can't believe we just paid to sit through that. Yes. I think that, I think that when I used to go, <clears throat> excuse me, when I used to go and watch Hastings play. And again, I I think we talked about it previously. I I for years found myself more connected with non-league football. Um, and I would go and watch Lewis play. I'd go and watch Hastings play. And I we used to go, when when I was growing up, we lived quite near to Hastings. Hastings ground um, to the point where we could walk there within 10 minutes. And I think that's the key as well. And I did allude to that previously. Mm. Um, if you can walk somewhere or it's within easy distance, it, it's going to make you more attached, isn't it? Because you're just more likely to go. I mean, you know, we could we could go on a Saturday. We could usually, me and my daddy, we could usually find reasons to escape whatever it was we were meant to be doing and to walk up the road to watch Hastings. But yes, we used to sit there and pay £10 for, you know, some of the worst, some of the most depressing things I've ever seen have been, a, been a, you know, at a football ground in the rain. I think if you're complaining about having spent money doing something that you hated, yet you've still done it because you have to, that's supporting, isn't it? It is. Now, as always, thanks very much for listening to uh, what is a lengthy episode today. Yes, it is. I'm sorry we've gone on, but there's been a lot to go on about. Thank you for your patience, as always. And thanks to Hilly and Rona as well. Yes, as always. Thank you. Now, assuming you're not recording with the Fugees this week, (laughs) where might we find you, Jules? Oh, well, you know, apart from, you know, every football ground in the UK, I support every single team. I'm doing a couple of shows on Mixer this weekend. Why not? I'm keeping going because there seems to be, I wouldn't say huge, but, you know, a fairly reasonable demand for this at the moment. People seem to like them. So I'll be doing my Saturday social show from 5 to 7 p.m. on the evening that we're recording this. We are recording this on Saturday, the 29th of August. So 5 to 7, I will be doing two hours of Northern Soul, Motown, uh, funk that sort of thing on my mixer channel which is mixlr.com and then search in my name which is juliet harris i will also be doing uh, smooth sailing on sunday evening which is seven till nine so slightly later and that is what pretty much what it says so yacht rock mor classic pop bit of easy listening just kind of uplifting and, and pleasant things to hear really so that's that's what i'm doing with myself this weekend and we have an absolutely delicious track to play us out well, and I, I'm glad you feel that way, Terence. Thank you. I um, I heard this on the radio recently, and I thought it was it was absolutely lovely. I don't know very much about this artist, but I just thought this was a this was a, a really nice tune and just something you know something quite pleasant just to listen to. Why not, eh? So as this is Damien Gerardo. I really like this track. It's Silver Timothy. I was met on the road by a face I once knew.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>